What's going on, Bulls fans? Welcome to another episode of Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related. It's Saturday, so you know what that means. It's a mailbag episode day where we're going to get into your voicemails, your topics that you sent in. It's going to be the full episode. We're going to get into that right after this. You are now tuned in to Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for all things Chicago Bulls, hosted by Hayes. All right, Bulls fans. So yes, it's the mailbag episode, but as you guys always know, I like to start it off with a little sum sum, especially if it's not touched on in the voicemail so far. So one of the things that I do want to talk about is that everything, all the sneak peeks that we've gotten from Bulls practice so far, the post-practice uh, interviews and the media availability that we've gotten from a lot of players, it just seems like there's just a different energy around this team this year. Even despite the injury to Lonzo Ball, the confidence of this team is all real high right now. And yeah, one could say that it's training camp. It's supposed to be high. It's easy to be high now until the game start, which only a few days away from Bulls basketball, by the way, people. But with all that being said as well, like it's just a different energy and uh, I think a level of focus. And um, I don't know, I guess. I guess everybody kind of knows their roles. That's one of the things that that the benefit of continuity, everybody kind of knows what roles they're going to be. They know what they needed to work on this summer because the Bulls didn't make any big changes or major changes to the roster. So everybody's kind of coming in knowing, hey, this is where I can get in. This is this is my fit. This is how I play with this player. Yeah, we can improve on those things. We can work on certain aspects of our game. But it's kind of it's just a, a, I don't know. I, I like the feeling around this team right now, the level of energy, the fun that we've seen from clips like, yeah, it's only clips, but it's just it's just a lot of positivity around the Chicago Bulls right now, even though some of the fan base for the most part of this offseason has been kind of down, whether it be the Bulls not making moves, whether it be them, you know, not not doing some of the things, the people who didn't want to see Zach Levine get a max contract, things like that. But some I want to talk about two specific players here. I'm going to talk about Zach Levine in this one. So. Billy Donovan talked about him having his athleticism, his bounce back. Like, it's almost a different Zach. He just looks different. It feels different. Like, you would want to see that from a player that, for the most part of last season, was just dealing with nagging injuries. We had the back. We had the knee. We had the thumb. Like, we really only got to see Zach Levine not dealing with the injury for probably about 20 games last season, even though he played in, in, in more games than not last season. It was really about 15 to 20 games we got the, the full – healthy version of Zach Levine. Other than that, it was always dealing with something. And so him having all that back, coming into this uh, this season fully healthy, I can't wait to see the Zach Levine that we get. He's already talked about how he wants to improve on defense, things like that. Uh, a primed-in, locked-in Zach Levine, especially on the defensive end of the ball, can definitely change some things around this team. Now, another player who I know a lot of Bulls fans, let me not even say a lot of Bulls fans are going to say after this, oh, well, it's just working in that trade value. A lot of you guys said that last season too, and Kobe White was still on that team, and that's what we're going to talk about next is Kobe White. Kobe White, Billy Donovan, in the way that he's talked about Kobe White in a couple of different um, post-practice interviews so far has just seemed really high on Kobe White like really at the fact that like he understands I think Billy Donovan what Kobe White being locked in what a, if he can make some improvements a consistent Kobe White can mean and how he can change this bench as far as scoring wise Billy Donovan if you looked at if you've seen any of those post-practice and even media day availabilities like he has he is I'm not going to say he's like ecstatic over Kobe White but he seems really high on Kobe uh, and what he can do and what he can mean to this team. And Kobe White seems like a level of also understanding. Billy Donovan talked about how, like, Kobe in his rookie year before Billy Donovan came in here, he got to start only a couple of games before COVID came in. And then, you know, moving around the uh, the different positions he played on the roster under Billy Donovan. And, you know, he's starting one day, coming off the bench another. Like, so 
Billy Donovan's built that in. And I, I do think that that means that for those that wondered or thought or, 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 or you know, or whatever, the, the Kobe, I don't want to call them haters, but like they think that the Kobe is just a dead man walking on the Chicago Bulls team. I think head coach Billy Donovan and this this front office is going to give Kobe White every chance to succeed. And I don't just mean to, to up his trade value. Kobe's talked about, you know, whether they need him at the point guard, the two, the three, which Billy Donovan even talked about Kobe playing at the three. Yeah, that's not a great position for him considering, you know, the wingspan and things. But I, I, I think with this, with Kobe White, if he is locked in, if he does make improvements, if he can be more consistent, what he can be off this bench could be huge for the Chicago Bulls and a team that needed scoring drastically off the bench. And then you also add... Goran Dragic to that bench. I, I do think he Goran Dragic is going to come off the bench not being in the starting lineup. We all know that if you've been watching me long enough for those that are getting ready to say, but what if Dragic is, is the starting point guard? I think he's going to be a bench player. But in what you can add with shooting and scoring both from these guys, Alex Caruso, when his shot is falling, but we know Alex does so much other things around on the team. You're adding Andre Drummond, who can be a 10-point-per-game scorer or close to it off the bench for the Chicago Bulls team as well. I think that, you know, this bench is maybe better than what some of us are expecting and what some analysts are expecting as well. But I do like what I'm hearing from Kobe. I like what I've seen from Andre Drummond and so far in practice and things like this. This is going to be a fun team to watch and more fun than what I think a lot of team, a lot of uh, uh, people are giving us credit to be. But that's it. I just wanted to talk about those. It was kind of on my mind. But let's go ahead and dive into the voicemails for this week. Next up, first up, I should say, we got eight lives. What's going on? Hey, is this eight lives? Man, I wanted to call in today to talk about your boy, Dan and Terry, man. Man, I really believe that they did a good job, a great job with this pick. Um, I'm going to say something. I don't want people to have a heart attack and fall all out. I really don't want to be prepared for But I just, I'm just want to let the fans kind of know if you pay attention and look where uh, his sitting could be. If you pay attention to my boy, the movie, Sean Marion, they both have similar games. I mean, of course, they didn't, uh, uh, they uh, shot is not as good as Sean Marion's is, and I'm sure it's not as ugly. But if you look at their game, the athletic, um, the, um, how they, uh, see the court, how they can handle the ball, how they can, uh, see the court, um, how they use a lot of their athleticism to do layups as well as dunks, um, the effort on the defense. A lot of people sleep on Sean Marion with the deflections, and a lot of, he has some skills too. The, I kind of see them kind of like as the same player. You know, I'm not saying that his game is like him, but if there's anybody that we can kind of compare him to, if, where you can look at Damian, uh, um, Silly, it's kind of like, I can see him kind of like a Sean Marion player. So don't kill me for this, but if you look at the highlights, you look at both of their highlights, you, you can kind of see what I see. So that, I just want to give that, and I think that, um, uh, with Lonzo out, like I said, hopefully, um, I guess the history that I've been seeing from the coach, he's kind of let these guys play. From even the scrubs that we had last year, we kind of all got to see what they could do. Even the guys who had got like the 10-day contract, he was able to see what they could do. So that's kind of one thing that I like to coach about. And I think that we're going to get to see what they can do. So uh, I'm going to end with that one. Go Bulls. All right, 8 Lives actually brings in – a comparison that I can honestly say I have never thought of. I have never heard. If anybody else has heard this comparison or made that, shout out to you guys. I've just not seen it. But the Dalen Terry to Sean Marion comparisons, while their games, I think, could be different, right? I do think Sean Marion was a 3-4, even though AK has said that he wants to see Dalen Terry play some uh Dalen Terry play some small ball four. But I look at this and I say, more so the glue guy aspect of it. Sean Marion was the glue guy of those Phoenix Sun teams when you look at it. Like Steve Nash, 
uh, Amari Stoudemire, but it really was Sean Marion who kind of did everything else. Yeah, he had times where he scored big, big time. He had t- like in his three point shots, definitely. Dalen Terry's three point, I mean, uh, shot is definitely in general way prettier than Sean Marion's ever was or could be. But you know, even then, Sean Marion didn't come into the league. With the best shot, and he was able to turn that, especially if you left him open, into a threat. And I think if Dalen Terry can continue to work on his shot, um, which he can, we've seen in the NBA, hey, we have a player on this roster in Lonzo Ball who completely turned their shot around. If you get them working with the right people in the offseason and, and change just slight tweaks to the mechanics and the release a little bit, you can you can turn. I really do like the concept of that. I think when you look at Dalen Terry, um, I'm not expecting Dalen Terry to, to at any point. And he could still turn in that, but necessarily at any point to be like a 17, 18 point per game score. But when you look at Dalen Terry, I think he is going to be one of those players that stuffs the stat sheet. When he does get minutes early on, it may be a six, two and two night, but he's all over the court playing great defense. If he does eventually turn himself into a starter, which I do think that he can and will do, you, you can look at Dalen Terry as maybe being a 12 to 14 point per game score with six rebounds, four or five assists, like a couple of steals. like. Dalen Terry has that potential, and he has the drive to do so as well. I really do like, and I think that's a really good comparison to compare him to Sean Marion. Like I said, maybe not exactly from the skill set overlining one and one, but from the, the standpoint of just being the guy who just gets things done, the glue guy who gets who who who, who especially if like Patrick Williams develops to the point that we that we hope and can see at times that Patrick Williams may develop into. You got Io DeSumo and how he develops and things like that. I like that comparison a lot. Let me know what you guys think down below on Dalen Terry, Sean Marion comps, and if you kind of see, and if you wouldn't mind Dalen Terry turning into a Sean Marion type of player, like that's, that's one of the better comparisons that I, that I've, that I've heard for, uh, for Dalen Terry. There's a lot of players, especially right now when you haven't, um, we haven't gotten to see Dalen Terry in a single NBA game, much less make any developments or anything like that. Didn't play a lot in college. It's kind of hard to really project and make true comps for him. But when you look at Sean Marion, for a career, he's a 15-point-per-game scorer um, in thirty-five in 30, about 35 minutes per game. He had a field goal percentage of 48%, three-point percentage of 33%, a, f- a free throw percentage of 81%. He averaged 8.7 rebounds, 1.9 assists, and 1.5 steals and a block per game over his whole career. That is a solid career from Sean Marion, too, by the way, uh, averaging that much. Now, Dalen Terry, does he get the type of rebounds? I guess it remains to be seen. Sean Marion also 6'7, 228 pounds. We know that Dalen Terry weighs much less than that. He's 6'7 as well, but I think it's 197 pounds for Dalen Terry, at least at draft time. But I don't hate those comps at all. That's a solid comp from a solid player who I think they, uh, Sean Marion had a couple of 20 point per game seasons in his career. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I would not mind if that if Dalen Terry turned into Sean Marion. Wouldn't mind it at all. All right, let's go ahead and move into the next voicemail. This one is from Ace. What's up, Hayes? This is Ace calling in again, man. I was calling in on a couple different things. I'll make it quick, though, uh, or as quick as possible. Uh, I think on the positive side, Lonzo Ball coming back, we'll probably say after All-Star break, is actually a positive thing. Um, and I'm going to say that to say this. Uh, we're going to develop Ayo DeSumo a lot more. We're going to see what we have in Drogic. That two right there, that can be your, your one and two backup point guards going forward early in the season. But later on, of course, Lonzo comes back. He may not be starting. Right now, you probably got to start a lineup of Ayo DeSumo, uh, Zach Levine, DeRozan, Pat Williams, and Vooch. Zach Levine, I mean, I'm sorry, when, uh, when Lonzo Ball comes back, you got coming off the bench, man, you got fucking Drogic, you got 
ball that can possibly play the off guard at that position, just coming back. I ain't talking about he's going to be off guard. But if you got Dragic, Ball, Caruso, uh, hell, Dale and Terry or, or Drummond or whoever else, Javante Green, whoever else you want to throw at that four position, that's a strong-ass bench coming back in the second half of the season. Not to mention it's going to allow the opportunity for Kobe White to get seen by Alonzo Ball not being there. So if Kobe White balls out, he's going to up his trade value if we decide to trade him. And, hell, you, you open up the opportunity to get a nice-ass backup power forward at that point. Somebody that actually brings something uh, that Patrick Williams doesn't bring to the table right behind him coming off the bench. So I look at this as being a blessing in disguise, and I think the team is going to be a lot better because of it later on. Also, man, I got a quick question. Did you see, I think it's training day two, uh, Andre Drummond coming from the free throw line? He, I don't know if he crossed over Dale and Terry or somebody, but this, this guy's ball handling is, is little, is literally underrated. I've seen him cross over somebody from the free throw line, go in and, and do a nasty ass layup. Like, if Andre Drummond can push the ball up the floor with the rest of those guys, it's, we're going to be in for a hell of a season because I don't think anybody has ever used Andre Drummond to the best of his ability. The guy's best running up and down the court, and we've always tried to, well, they've always tried to put him in like a post-basic center position. And he's not that type of big. He's a run-the-floor type of big. Put the ball in his hand, pass the ball, run and, run and gun. I think we're going to see the best Andre version of Andre Drummond that people have ever seen, period. Well, maybe not in his early years when he's doing double-doubles, but I think this version is going to be a lot better for his career going forward. All right, let me know your thoughts on that. Peace. All right, Ace brings up the benefits that the, that we could see in player development, getting extra minutes and things while Lonzo Ball is out. And I do I do like that. I think this is going to be a time where we may see them rely heavily on Goran Dragic. Um, and so it doesn't necessarily go to the younger players, but we know Io, either way, he's going to continue to get minutes. He got it last season. If he's the starter or not, he's going to continue to get his minutes. Does Dalen Terry crack into that rotation a little bit? Um, I think that the, the, what this, what the, if we're trying to find a positive in the Lonzo Ball situation, which is, Overall, a very sucky situation and not a lot of not a lot of positives to be found in it. But if you can, is that the team is going to have to at this point of the season, they're going to have to learn to defend. They don't have Lonzo Ball as the crutch there. They're going to have to learn to defend, keep up that defensive intensity, whether Lonzo was on the court or not on the court. I was going to get some reps at that starting point guard position. I do believe he's going to be that starting point guard. So he's going to get to develop that way, be out there with the starters, not necessarily need to score a lot because he's out there with DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, uh, Nikola Vucevic, and also Patrick Williams, if he does take a step up as, as a scorer as well. So the thing with Io, I do think if Io doesn't pass up in some of the shots that he did pass up, up in, in crutch times or things like that, you can look at him definitely get into double-digit scoring uh, per game for this team. But I, I, I like the, 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 the chances that this is going to, the, the opportunity, I should say, that is going to provide other players to step up and play maybe different roles that are needed for this team. Kobe White, now his three-point shooting becomes even more of a value for the Chicago Bulls team if he can be consistent at it because we don't have Lonzo Ball out there shooting threes in the way in the clip that he did last season. So now having Kobe White come off catch-and-shoot positions is going to be even greater because we don't have that Lonzo Ball to do that. So, yeah, if if, if any positives are going to be pulled out of that, it is the how players are going to be now forced to, to be relied on. And, and if they respond to that, uh, that situation with playing well, if they respond to that with earning more minutes, if they respond to that with just playing better and this team comes together defensively a little bit better because they don't have it, the amazing defender that Lonzo Ball is and players realize, hey, we got to step up. Now when Lonzo Ball does come back, 
Woo, when he comes back, it's going to be special, especially this team uses that time to build some chemistry. Now, the second part of Ace's uh, voicemail, Andre Drummond and his ball handling. Billy Donovan did talk about at, at uh, Media Day, Andre Drummond as a facilitator. But I, I agree, like, at least in that, well, again, it's practice. It's kind of one-on-one. It, it is what it is. You'll see players, NBA players, do some things that you will never see in games and think, why don't they do that in games? Because it's, it's, it, style's a little bit different. Now, to your point, do we see the best version of Andre Drummond? I think so. I think when you look at Andre Drummond and the way that he's embraced and how better he's looked with less minutes over the latter part of his career and the efficiency that he's had, he's, got, he's becoming more efficient player in those times. And I do think that a bench version of Andre Drummond, still only being 29 years old, hopefully being on a team that learns to push the pace, use him in pick and roll. He's a great, he's a great role man. Um, I, think, I think we could see... People have said, could Andre Drummond be a six-man-of-the-year contender? And while I'm not ready to say that yet until we actually see what his role is, how many minutes he's going to be, how he plays with the other bench players, there may be a slight chance. There may be something to that. So I do think we may see the best version of Andre Drummond. I don't know how much ball handling we're going to see him do. It was a great clip, by the way, guys. It was great to see Andre Drummond take somebody from the free throw line off the dribble and then dunk the ball. I just don't know how much we see in that in game time. But if we do... I'm not going to be mad at it. All right, let's get into the next voicemail. This one's from Shay. What's up, Hayes? This is Shay. You know, I've been wondering this, and I probably said it a couple times in your comment section. You know, do you – is it safe to say that if it wasn't for injuries, players like Draymond Green and Jimmy Butler wouldn't get a chance to show who they actually really are as players or as we see them right now? Think about it. With Jimmy Butler's case, Rip Hamilton and Luau Dang went down. Then Tom Tupperware had no choice but to use him. And then he ended up showing what he could do, and did he get better and got better and got better. Think about it. He was an end-of-the-bench guy. Same thing with Draymond Green. If David Lee doesn't go down that season that they won the championship in 2015, I don't think you're going to see Draymond Green too much in that rotation or he will become the player that he is now. And you can use the Chicago Bulls again. Ayo DeSumo. If Ronzo Ball and Alex Caruso go, doesn't go down last season, you don't get to see who he is now. Is it safe to say that players like that should thank injuries for the success that they have now? Anyway, tell me what you think. Peace. Okay, so I had to do a little research on this one. I think Shay is kind of overlooking things. So, for example... In Jimmy Butler's second season, because we all know he didn't play as a rookie, he played in all 82 games. He played 26 minutes per game in that time. But Luau Deng was not injured that season. Luau Deng actually played in 75 games that season and was an all-star. That was the 2012-2013 season. So, no, Jimmy Butler, now the next season after his second season, so Jimmy Butler's third season, he took a leap scoring-wise, absolutely. And Jimmy Butler's second season was 8.6 point per game score. He took a huge leap in his third season, averaging 13.1 uh, points per game. And um, He did play more minutes. He, he, he went from 26 minutes his second season to 38 minutes per game in his third season. And I guess maybe that's what Shea meant is that he got more opportunity. He took advantage of our opportunity scoring-wise. But Jimmy Butler had already earned his spot in the rotation by then. He didn't. He wasn't still fighting for a spot in the rotation at that point. It was 2012-13 when Jimmy Butler earned that position, playing all 82 games, playing over 20 minutes per game. Now, this the in, in the following season, that's when Luol Deng only played 23 uh, games. He averaged 19 points per game, but Jimmy Butler took an uptick then and took advantage of that opportunity, but Jimmy Butler already earned his role at that point. Same, similar with uh, the the the, Andre, the, uh, the Draymond Green situation. So Draymond Green 
actually, the season that Draymond Green stepped up, uh, David Lee also, he was not injured that year. Now, when they did win a title, yeah, David Lee got injured that, that year, but I think Shea's a little bit off on some of his things. Draymond had already earned his spot in the rotation. Draymond actually was getting minutes early in his career, um, in in his rookie year. So he was he just his role, of course, increased. So you got to look at, um, for example, in Draymond Green's rookie year, he played in seventy nine games, averaged thirteen minutes per game, but only two point nine points. In his second season, he played all eighty two games, twenty one point nine minutes uh, per game, six point two uh, points per game. But David Lee was playing in that, and, and so. Yeah, uh, in in David in that same season, David Lee was averaging for the um for the Golden State Warriors thirty seven minutes per game. So I think Shea's a little bit off thinking that Draymond and, and Jimmy only got opportunities because of injuries. At that point, they were already firmly a part of that team's rotation. They of course saw a scoring uptick with the absence of other players. But using that for the the Io Desumu comparison, you know, injury does as we talked about in that first the, that first voicemail. Injury does provide a chance and other opportunities for players that maybe wouldn't have gotten it otherwise. Who steps up in that is always going to be a key. Jimmy took a step up scoring-wise, as did Draymond Green, took a step scoring-wise, but they were already part of the rotation. Same with Io. Io earned a part of the, uh, a spot in the rotation even before Lonzo went down. Now, we saw that role, of course, increase once Lonzo went down, and with Lonzo still being out, we're going to see that increase even further, but I think it all boils down to this, too. It's the player's mentality. It's the player, the work that the player puts in in practice to take notice of the coaches. They even said in the, in the press conference, right, in the media day, that they thought that, that Io DeSumo was going to be somebody that came up and down from the G League. How he came in, how he performed in training camp, how he performed in practice, how he performed in the preseason, earned him a spot in the rotation. And then as he continued to play well in those spot minutes that he got, his, his role increased naturally over time, and then he took advantage of the injury. That's what we're seeing from Io DeSumo, very similar to those players. Thank you for that voicemail, Shay. Let's go ahead and get into this next one. This one's from Mar- uh, Marvin. What's up, hey, Marvin? Quick and sweet, man. I wanted to chime in and leave a little comment on the Lonzo Ball issue. First of all, I want to say this. I know we all feel that the way this Bulls organization and the Lonzo Ball camp handled this issue is probably not to our liking, but we have it right in front of us now, guys, so let's deal with it. Also, any organization that invests $85 million on a player does deserve consideration and patience. And I think that's what we have to deal with right now. Now, the main thing is going in, getting this situation rectified, because it can be rectified, and getting our point guard back on the court. First and foremost, the games go on. So let's make sure the team is ready and getting ready to go. Hopefully, we can get through this guy, get our point guard back, and be okay. But as far as if he good signing or bad signing, I think it's a little premature to determine if or either way. So I just want to, I'm not going to be long with this. I just want to say, hopefully he can get this taken care of. The Bulls can get back to full strength and get on our path to the championship. Quick and sweet. Hey, take care, guys. All right. So Marvin talks about the Lonzo Ball situation. How it's, it's too premature to determine if it's a bad signing. And you, that's the thing that you get with sports fans in general. I always say Bulls fans because this is a Bulls channel, but it's more of a sports fan in general thing is that it's it, we have these knee-jerk reactions to be quick to call something a bad deal, to call something, oh, they should have never signed him. Why did they do this? He had knee issues. It's a meniscus, right? We've seen player, players usually come back and make full recoveries from meniscus. I don't want to belittle it. Like, yes, it sucks that he sealed slow. It sucks that he had this setback. All that sucks. But this talent that Lonzo Ball is, right, when he's on the court, and yes, the first two years, definitely going to miss a lot of games. Now, if the back end of this, the last two years of this contract, if he's fully, it's not going to be a bad, and let's see how he performs even this season 
in the playoffs, right? And 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 how when he does come back, how does he perform? I'm not ready. <laughs> Contrary to my counterpart over in Lockdown Bulls, Pat the designer, who does think, hey, is it time to start thinking that Lonzo was a bad contract? I I don't think that. I don't think. I think it's way too early to say that Lonzo Ball that was a bad signing or a bad contract and all these people like, oh, can we trade him now? No, no, because what Lonzo is when he's on the court, right? It's not, and you don't want it, you're, you're going to get pennies on the dollar, even if a team was willing to accept Lonzo Ball right now, you're going to get pennies on the dollar and he could still make a full recovery and then you're looking like, hey, we didn't get much back for this trade and Lonzo's over there. He turned into an all-star season, a season from now. Like the thing with, with Lonzo Ball is, it's going to take patience. Is it frustrating? Yes. Is it frustrating for him? Is it frustrating for the fans? It's frustrating for everybody involved. It sucks. Is this what we wanted when we signed him? No, we didn't. We weren't. We were hoping that he was going to be able to stay healthy. But guess what? That's a risk in basketball in general, in any sport. You're always going to run the risk of injury. That's period. I don't care if the player never had an injury or if they've had a bunch of them. You're always going to run the risk of injury. Now, when it comes, when you look at what Lonzo Ball is getting paid, especially with the CBA going in, which we're going to see a huge increase in the salary cap once those new TV deals come in as well on top of the new CBA. Lonzo Ball's contract isn't a bad contract. Yeah, it's $20 million, but it's not that bad in in relative to the cap, right? And as it's increasing. So we'll see what happens, right? I think it's it's way too early to say that Lonzo Ball is a bad signing or even say, hey, let's trade Lonzo Ball. Practice patience. If If every Bulls fan with these knee jerk reactions ran the team, we would have a completely different team every six months. That's why, that's why continuity is a thing. That's why patience is a thing. That is why roster construction as a whole is important. So, you know, that's my thoughts on it. Thank you for that voicemail, Marvin. Let's get into the last one. This one is from Jamal. What's up, Hayes? It's your boy Jamal. Call again again with another voicemail. Calling you on my brand new iPhone 14 Pro Max, I might add. Yeah, that's like no more iPhone 5 Plus or 8 Plus than I had. <laughs> no, uh, just doing a little follow-up, man. Um, Getting a couple of thoughts off my mind. Just it amazes me how we're a few days away from the start of the preseason. I think officially twenty-one days away from the start of the regular season, and how <laughs> even through all this time of the off season, the Bulls are still in a position of do we or don't we when it comes to this team? You know, do we trade for Drake Carter or don't we? Does Io and Patrick Williams and Kobe White take those next steps or don't they? You know, do what do we do about Lonzo Ball? Do we trade him or do we keep him or do we trust him and things like that? And it amazes me how um, how how this has been one of the most eventful talked about Bulls off season, despite the fact that no major trades even came from the out uh, or major signings came from the uh, in the off season and things like that. Um, it's going to be interesting to see where this board team heads going into the season. As we know, so many other teams have made moves to try to improve themselves, and AK and Mark Evansy are sticking with the idea that consistency and 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 camaraderie and, and, and the idea of um, having years together can be the thing that helps this board team get to the next level instead of just stockpiling. Uh, uh, talent, and that's going to be an interesting concept. So let me know what your thoughts are on that. Talk to you later. Bye. Shout out to Jamal on the new phone because boy knows some of those voicemails from Jamal were rough, but he was always on topic. So I always played him when he called him, no matter the sound quality, because Jamal be on point, and he's very much on point in this one as well. The Bulls in a do we or don't we situation. I have to address that first. I don't think the Chicago Bulls are in a do we or don't we. I think Chicago Bulls fans are in a do we or don't we, and they may. 
always be in that situation because a lot of fans always think about what's the next deal? What's the next trade we can make? Teams that, when you look at the teams that have been towards the top of the NBA for a while, they do have continuity. They do let things come together. They let things gel. Look at look at the, what the Golden State Warriors went through the last year. Yeah, it was a lot based because of injury, but a lesser team or especially some fans would be like, hey, let's go ahead and just blow it up and, and start all over. Their patience in waiting for Klay Thompson to get fully healthy. Their patience on how they drafted in that meantime and taking advantage of the higher draft picks than what they would have had had they had full health to continue to build out a team and develop players like a Gary Payton third, to develop players like, you know, and, and yeah, they're not on the team anymore, but they took that time to develop those players and then it paid off. Once everybody was fully healthy, much like to the voicemail that we got from Ace, right? Um, saying the benefits of Lonzo Ball being out. The, the benefits that, the way that the Golden State Warriors used that time that Clay was out, Steph was out at times, whatever, to develop players that when they were ready and loaded back up for a championship run, these players were battle-tested. These players were securing their roles. These players knew what was expected of them. They had a, a grasp of the NBA game. All those things paid off in the long run for them. So are we in a do-we or don't we? No, Bulls fans are in a do-we or don't we? And they may always be in that. It's always going to be, do we trade this? Do we trade that? Do we wait on Patrick Williams? Do we do this? The good thing about it is, is that this Bulls front office has a plan and they're sticking to their plan despite some of the outlook and opinions of Bulls fans and the knee-jerk reactions there, and I commend them for doing that. Now, does it have to pay off? Yes, every year that it doesn't pay off, you shorten and shorten that leash a little bit when it comes to Bulls fans, rightfully so. It's going to take some time. But, you know, and, and, and to Jamal's point, that this is one of the most talked about Chicago Bulls offseason, even though we didn't make a lot of moves. It is what it is. Like, yes, as a fan, did I want to see the Bulls do more? Did I expect them to do more with their full mid-level exception? Yes, I can admit, let me call myself to the carpet on that. But at the end of the day, this team has a plan. Let's let them see this plan through. Let's see how it develops. Because sometimes in plans, you don't always, because you don't see the end goal. It's, it's harder to bet on what the end may be and not live in the now. Luckily, we have a front office that's living in the now, having a, a improving the team some, but still having that mind on the future. Now, where does the team go from now? The sky's the limit right now. When you, especially if you look at like if Patrick Williams does make that leap, whether it's a small leap this year, a bigger leap next year, whenever. If he makes that leap into being the player that this front office thought they were they were getting when they drafted him, that completely changes the outlook of the Bulls season immediately. Right now, whenever it happens, whether it's this season or next season, it changes the outlook for the Chicago Bulls instantly. Zach Levine, if he makes a step as a defender, if he makes a step continuing to improve his efficiency and stays healthy, changes the outlook of this team instantly. Lonzo Ball, if he gets this situation, this health situation under wraps, changes the future of the Chicago Bulls instantly. Dalen Terry, if him and I or Io DeSumo hit, changes things instantly. So where does the team go? I don't know. We're going to continue to see that play out over there. But the do we or don't we situation, I don't think we're actually in. I think the Bulls fandom is in that. Where this front office, they're locked and loaded on their plan, and they're ready to go. But that's it for today's episode of Chicago Bulls Central, the mailback episode. You guys are the best part of Chicago Bulls Central. Make sure you're following the show at Bulls Central Pod on every social media platform. You can also send us any feedback, questions, comments, concerns, bullscentralpod at gmail.com. Lastly, if you want to leave a text and or voicemail, the number to do so, 773-270-2799. We will also have a mailback episode tomorrow, which is Sunday, so get more voicemails in if you have them. Otherwise... Like I liked in every episode on, go Bulls. Love you guys. Peace, y'all. This has been a presentation of the Break Break Media. Break.